Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is a show for the week of December 3rd, 2018. We hope you've been enjoying the episodes Jim and I recorded while we're walking around the parks. Today, we're doing an extra episode to get you caught up on all the park news that's been happening over the last couple of weeks. And speaking of walking around the parks, here's the guy who once advised me to say I lived in a gated community when in reality, I was in prison one Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It made it that much easier to get baked goods that included tools. <laughs> it was an escape attempt. It was home improvement, Len. <laughs> we live in a gated community. Oh, yeah, really? Where? Broadway. Yeah. <laughs> right. There we go. All right, Jim. Uh, first, every show should begin with a round of self-congratulations. Earlier this year, we said that Disney was, was considering names for its new DVC resort at Fort Wilderness and that the lead candidate name was Reflections, a Disney Lakeside Lodge. Verily, I say unto you, dear listeners, it has come to pass. That is the name that Disney picked for its new resort. Jim, what do you make of this? This is Disney resorts heading in a different direction. <laughs> the, the retirement community direction. Jim, I, I got to say, is Cocoon going to be the movie that they play every night out by the, out by the water? <laughs> well, then they haven't acquired Universal. Not yet, but it's entirely possible. I don't know, honestly, what to tell you here. I mean, from a design point of view, and it, trust me, the, when you look at the final, the interiors and the rooms and the wall treatments and that sort of thing, this will definitely come across as eye and resort. But this is a different sort of Disney, more about the amenities and the fact that people are basically going back to the rooms to sleep, that they're spending their days in the theme park. So it's, mm. this is a clear step away from things like Wilderness Lodge and the Poly. The insider that uh, gave us the tip about the actual buildings not looking much like the concept art in terms of finish also said that part of that was to not overplay uh, or give away any secrets that they might be doing to any competition down the street who is also in the middle of building a set of hotels. You are correct, sir. I thought that was actually pretty clever and I didn't think of it at the time, but... Uh, yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. Don't show more than you have to. Yeah, and we've talked about what's going to happen when Endless Summer opens at Universal. I mean, the, oh, yeah. between the price point and, and what they've decided to do there, this is genuinely a game changer. It'll be interesting as we get further along here and Disney sort of opens the kimono <laughs> to find out more about this particular resort. Definitely. And speaking of uh, resorts, Disney also announced the name of the Coronado Springs building as the Grand Destino Tower with an opening date of July 9th, 2019. Jim, first question to you. How many times will we say Grand Torino Tower instead of Grand <laughs> Destino Tower by mistake? Well, just, I mean, how many of us are practicing our, our gruff, crappy Clint Eastwood impression? Get, <laughs> get them kids off my lawn. Actually, the, the Destino Tower, there was the famous collaboration between Walt Disney and Salvador Dali that in Walt's time, Mm -hmm. Never came to fruition, but uh, Walt's nephew, Roy, in the years before he died, actually got a short made of Destino. I'm told that right. Disney for years has been trying to figure out how to monetize all of the artwork that Salvador Dali did for this project. And right. part of the reasons that they did the short was to make sure that they retained the rights to this artwork. I'm told... Expect lots and lots of displays of this artwork in the hotel, yes. which features a number of ballerinas with baseballs for heads, right sure. up there with the, the melted watches, Lynn. Also, the gift shop in the lobby will feature 
a good portion of this artwork as well available in coffee mug and t-shirt. I've uh, looked at the concept art for the rooms and it does echo some of the architectural and theming details that we saw in the lobby concept art, mm-hmm. particularly around the gating and the uh, use of stone and wood, things like that. You know, that said, it doesn't look particularly themed. It's not, certainly not as themed to the desert Southwest as I think the regular Coronado Springs rooms. But again, We'll see what the uh, the actual rooms look like. I did book a couple of rooms for opening night, and oh. uh, the the thing I was surprised at was the uh, the price of these. So, uh, mm-hmm. in the tower, a standard view room was going for around two hundred and fifty five dollars a night with tax. Mm-hmm. So, you know, two eighty two ninety uh, with tax. In terms of the different views, you've got a tower standard view, you've got mm-hmm. a tower water view. So remember, you got two sides to the tower. Mm-hmm. Those go for three twelve plus tax. If you wanted uh, those with king beds instead of the standard queens that they come with, it's three twenty four and three thirty four respectively. Mm-hmm. The thing that I found interesting though was this is going to have club level access, so there'll be some sort of concierge level in the main tower where you can get snacks throughout the day, like they have at you know, the other Disney's resorts. Um, okay. For a moderate, that's interesting. How does this stack up from a price point? Well, yeah, that's what was interesting. So club access three hundred and sixty three dollars a night. With tax, so right at four hundred mm-hmm. uh, a night, okay. you know, with with tax there, it was definitely less less expensive than I expected it to be for club mm-hmm. level access. Now, granted, it's a moderate room; it's going to be around you know three hundred and twenty, three hundred and thirty square feet. I'm guessing somewhere in there. Not you know not, not the same size as a deluxe, mm-hmm. you know, which is typically closer to four hundred. But club access and gondolas for four hundred dollars a night, uh, I can I can kind of see that. While the tower has been constructed. We've also been seeing a change out of the rooms around the rest of the resort. Right. When you and I did our event back in 2017 to coming back and doing the event just this past month, mm-hmm. it went from old style room to new style room. And man, those are, are nice looking rooms and definitely a cleaner more modern feel. How long do they stay at that price point, especially yeah. with the gondolas? That's going to be interesting. You mentioned uh, the new rooms. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Laurel and I stayed at one of the new all-star movies rooms that we, we t- uh, talked about it uh, earlier, but they've been ref- uh, refurbished to look like the rooms of Pop Century with the vinyl hardwood style floors, the fold-down Murphy bed, the brand new bathroom and everything. And I loved the room. I think it's fantastic. I think it's really, really good, especially at that price point. The one thing that I I thought was interesting, and I want to get your take on this, is this, we talked about before where having carpet in a hotel room means that the dirt gets trapped in the carpet, right? right. And it's, it's hard to clean and they fade, right? The, the downside to not having carpet though is that you're still, you're still tracking the same amount of dirt into the room. Mm-hmm. It's just ending up on your feet instead of in the carpet. And so the thing that I found myself doing before I went to bed was, was taking one of the hand towels, pull, putting it down on the ground and then basically wiping my feet off before I got into bed so I wouldn't track dirt on the sheets. I would like to see some sort of mat or something in front of the beds so that we can we can do that rather than bringing dirt into the uh, into the bed. What do you think? Or is it just, it's just me being uh, Felix Ungerish in my cleanliness obsession? No, 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 no. I mean, I genuinely hear what you're saying, but the hard reality is the average Disney World guest, when they finally make it back to the hotel room, they're so exhausted, they're falling into bed, sometimes fully clothed. <laughs> yeah, fully clothed. Yeah, sunscreen still on. Yeah, I get it. It's, yeah. This is just me. In the very same change out of going to removing the carpeting and going with the 
you know, the faux wooden floors, to also go into the bathroom and see that we're no longer in the world of the individual shampoos and Oh, right. And yeah, conditioner. yeah. Right. It, that was the same thing, too. They had the, the, the bottles full of each of those things. I actually didn't mind that. And the reason why I didn't mind it was I liked the overall design of the bathroom much better. Now, for one thing, did you notice they got rid of doors on hinges and went with a sort of exposed pocket door, an yeah. exposed sliding door? But mm-hmm. it, it actually forms a, a fairly tight seal. My my big complaint with all new room designs that use sort of a sliding door mm-hmm. for bathrooms is that the door never actually shuts. It just mm-hmm. sort of covers an opening opening with a gap of like an inch or two. That drives me up the wall. Mm-hmm. But this these doors that Disney's using in their values uh, are much more fitted and they close much more tightly. So I like that quite a bit. I also like the new shower design in that it's uh, glass sliders. Mm-hmm. instead of uh, curtains. Curtains get mildewy. They invariably, you know, when you turn the hot water on, everyone's experienced how the uh, curtains will blow in towards you because of mm-hmm. the way convection works. These don't have any of those problems. I really like the new design of the rooms. I think they're fantastic. In our lifetime, it's been kind of fun to watch the Disney go from the straight shower curtain to the bowed shower curtain sort of taking in the ever-expanding American physique. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing of this new sliding glass thing is the whole notion of there are those guests who aren't going to find this as comfortable to bathe in. <laughs> but, but on the other hand, the fact that I'm glad you noticed the tighter seal, that sort of thing, because yeah. they were finding from a maintenance point of view, just when you factor in the number of families that would come to a room in a month's time and you know the fact that you had that much water leaking onto the floor and that sort of thing this became a heavy duty maintenance issue over time and oh yeah sure it was a higher cost to do these sorts of sliding glass but the hope is in the long run it'll cut back on the maintenance that they have to do on the bathrooms at these moderates that's exactly what i thought it was it uh, it looks cleaner and they also went with a lighter color and almost white um mm-hmm. instead of i think it was sort of a, a taupe color the old tile um mm-hmm. looks much cleaner looks more modern looks more fresh like i said i really like it yeah so the, that was good so jim switching back real quick to finish out the destino tower prices they've also got executive suites mm-hmm. uh so the executive suite uh, there's a one bed uh, bedroom suite and there's a presidential suite the executive suite goes for about 700 dollars a night plus tax i think 708 and then the presidential suite, which is the most deluxe of the accommodations i think goes for around 1400 a night with tax that one has two queen beds and a queen, a sleeper, sofa, sleeps, six adults. Everything else is up to four adults. Hmm. Except for the king beds, which obviously sleep too. Those aren't terrible prices, I don't think. No, not at all. My question, though, is you and I had both heard going into this project to create this tower that would allow corporate officials, that sort of mm-hmm. folks who were eyeballing staging events at the Coronado Springs, especially in the, that giant convention center, but it had always been somewhat hesitant because of what was available. Yeah. Well, there are 50 suites, which should be enough for at least two conventions worth of executives, right? That's 25 sets of executives each. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, I can see it. Yep. Speaking of hotels, Jim, uh, the Mystery Hotel by the Swan and Dolphin Mm -hmm. now has a name. It's the Cove. I believe this is the Marriott property, Jim. Yeah. You and I have been tracking this one for years and it was there was some discussion of there was going to be a parking facility so they could do even more construction out back. And yeah. and now it's just sort of an adjunct of the Dolphin of the Swan. Is that correct? Or? Right. right. 350-room boutique hotel across the street from mm. the Swan and Dolphin. Between those three, they'll have what? 2,500 rooms, something like that? It's a pretty considerable amount of inventory, especially when you take into consideration the boardwalk and the Yacht and the Beach right across the way along with the, its own DVC. 
Right. What do you think of the decor of this this hotel? It reminds me a lot of Universal's Aventura with the um, the reflective glass on the outside. It's not quite as tall as the Aventura. Obviously, it doesn't look like a fidget spinner mm-hmm. like the Aventura does. But the lobby and the the exterior in the colors kind of looks like the Aventura to me. What do you think? So many of the hotels now that are being designed are taking that sort of millennial mindset into consideration. Disney's own research is showing these days that they want a nice, clean, stylish hotel that's convenient, Mm -hmm. but they're not staying there, especially when they're at Walt Disney World. They're out the door in the morning, early, early on to get to the parks, and they're back late. So all they want is someplace clean, nice, you know, where they can lay their head and have how many different places to plug in their iPhones and their computers and that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I think I, we mentioned this when we were walking around. The uh, All-Star Movies rooms have 10 USB ports in addition to 10 power outlets in the rooms. So conceivably, you could you could charge 20 devices. This is uh, at the top of the list. It used to be, do you have a wonderful view? Do you have a wonderful design aesthetic? And it's like, Nowadays, it's like, can I find some place to plug in my devices without getting yeah. it on my hands and knees? Yeah, I want to be able to set my phone, my iPad, and my watch on chargers next to where I'm sleeping so that I can pick them all up as soon as I wake up in the morning, right? So there's there's three devices there. For two people, that's six right off the top. Yeah, right there. I also uh, want to mention a couple of other pieces of news, Jim, that we, we talked about. And some of this is going to lead into your discussion during the main part. But during the last Disney conference, We heard that uh, Canada's getting an updated movie? Yeah. I reached out to friends, a friend of a friend of a friend situation, Mm -hmm. to Martin Short to find out if if Mr. Short is coming back. And evidently, yes, he's on board. Sweet. One of the the reasons that the Canada Pavilion got knocked for years was how lax they'd been with updates, that cityscapes didn't look the way they did. And likewise, there was a somewhat cliched attitude to the original Oh, Canada movie, and especially out ahead of the 50th anniversary of the resort and the number of folks from Canada that Disney expects to come down to sample the resort during this period. It's like, it just makes sense. Just get in there, do a quick update, but they'll be doing winter carnival type stuff shooting in January, February, and they'll be looking to grab additional footage headed into the summer months and this will be edited and cut into the show, they hope, for the fall of 2019, but more likely 2020. Ah, uh, okay. So that's the uh, that's the timeline that we're expecting. When you do this sort of thing, you, you work off of a punch list. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you're doing a brand new film and, you know, you can put together a crew that, that hangs for a month, six weeks to get all of the necessary photography and something like this where you're literally doing, okay, we need to update that shot. We need a new thing here. We need Martin to come in and do a new joke. There'll be kind of a hit and run aspect that the team will get together and grab shots that can only be done at events in the spring and the summer or the winter. And once that footage is in hand late summer of 2019, they'll then cut that in. But I guess there's some discussion of updating the O Canada song, finding yet another singer to, to come in. Epcot will be the park you have to go for the 50th anniversary. That's what they're preparing for here. Yeah, for that. that's it exactly. Speaking of uh, Epcot, we finally got a name for the Remy ride mm-hmm. in France. It is now going to be known as Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. <laughs> the interesting thing about this, Jim, is this wasn't one of the names that was on the survey that we talked about earlier this year. 
It's yeah. sort of uh, a combination of what we thought were the uh, the either the best or least objectionable, depending on how you look at it, options um, on that survey. What what made Disney decide to go with something that wasn't on the original survey list? What kind of bit them in the butt is, is if you've seen the artwork they're using for the building, mm-hmm. there is nothing about the exterior of this building that indicates what's inside. This fun family attraction with, I want to say I was reading 42 ride vehicles. I mean, it's a pretty big fleet of vehicles that that charge Mm -hmm. around this building. But from the outside, it just looks like a continuation of the sort of historic district restaurant type thing. And, And the fear on Disney's part was that, all right, if we don't make it obvious that this is Remy, remember Remy from Ratatouille, the Pixar movie? that people would walk on by without experiencing it. So this is sort of like, it's a title from the Department of Redundancy Department, the Remy Ratatouille Remy Ride. And yeah, expect a lot of commercials and a lot of stuff in the brochure that stresses the fact that there's a ride inside this building, a really fun family ride that you should be queuing up for right now. I think that's going to be the one of the challenges is because of the location of the, the ride back behind the existing French pavilion. It's going to be difficult for people to to get people to walk all the way back there to see what's there unless they do some sort of signage or uh, promotion out in front. But the risk that you run there is that the signage and the promotion would interfere with the theming of the existing things in France already. So that's going to be a fairly delicate balance. And I'm sure you heard about the other attraction that's going in to try to improve the the family-friendly the Reflections of Paris movie is going away and we're getting a Beauty and the Beast sing-along show. I've heard that they're both staying. Yeah. Because I asked the question like a month ago. Mm-hmm. And what I heard was that the uh, the sing-along will be outside in that little gazebo area. Uh... <laughs> is this the the thing where you uh, you recap the Bull Durham speech about the team moving in a different direction and uh, they're bringing up a catcher from the minor, uh, from AAA that's, uh, or from single A that's not going to, uh, probably not going to work out? <laughs> Bring up some kid, probably not going to work out. Don Hahn, you know, the actual producer of Beauty and the Beast, the original animated feature, and he's been tapped to to work on this project. And going into it, they were promised, you know, that theater space. And now there's been some pushback because are we going too far in this family-friendly direction? Are we dumbing down Epcot? And so there are people who are fighting for Reflections of Paris, but... At the the same time, when you look at the number of people who actually attend Reflections of Paris, it's currently a waste of a theater. Yeah, Impressions of France, I mean, holds many hundreds of people. I haven't seen seen it a third full in a very long time. But that said, um, you know, let's say that that's a problem. Attendance is a problem. I'm not sure that Beauty and the Beast sing-along is a solution for a couple of reasons. Obviously, they've still got it at the studios. You want to see Beauty and the Beast sing-along. There's this whole other park in which it already exists. That's assuming that that show stays there, Lynn. And remember that there has been considerable conversation about a Tangled show that that would supposedly replace Beauty and the Beast. And a year or so back, we had the Emma Watson live-action version that sort of revitalized the franchise. This is Bob Chapek's version of Epcot. This is the direction he genuinely wants to push the park in. The drumbeat is more Disney, timeless, relevant, family-friendly. And a now how old film? I actually mentioned this in the, the latest version of the unofficial guide that 
The Impressions de France film dates back to the, literally its opening, hasn't been updated since then. In fact, in the yeah. market scene at the beginning, you can tell how old the film is by looking at the prices on display in the market. <laughs> the prices are shown in French francs, which the country abandoned when it switched to the euro back in 2000. If you're updating Canada just down the street, the movie there. Yeah, why not? All right, Jim, let's take a quick uh, commercial break here. And then when we come back, let's uh, continue with other announcements that happened during the latest Destination D event. All right, folks, we'll be right back. All right, Jim, we were talking earlier about all of the different things that Disney announced at the latest Destination D event. Well, we pick up uh, where we left off there talking about Epcot. What else was announced for the world's greatest theme park? You and I have been talking about this, how long? The Illuminations replacement? <laughs> yeah, a couple of years. And it's, it's, in all honesty, the announcement of the Illuminations replacement had been written by Disney's PR team many, 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 many months ago. It just never, they never pushed the publish button on the blog. When we finally saw the original concept art for the the redo of the park that JPEG was pushing. When you, you looked at the Edge of Rule Showcase Lagoon and saw the fountain component and that sort of thing, mm -hmm. it was very obvious that the long-in-the-making redo of Illuminations was going to be huge, and they were going to need an interim show. And and the nice thing about this announcement Bob made back on November 17th is he finally confirmed it. When Illuminations Reflections of Earth ends in the summer of 2019 and using the len tested definition of what summer is <laughs> september 21st is that the last day of summer yeah yeah the new show epcot forever it's supposed to go live october 1st of uh, 2019 so that's fall uh, what disney supposedly will do they'll announce that Reflections of Earth will be ending on Labor Day, and then the plan's already in place. The effect of, oh my God, demand has been so great that it will continue well in, you know, at least three or four weeks into September, and then you'll get a week to 10 day period where there, there'll be a transition and the new show will come in. But people need to be aware that there's going to be a step down. Got confirmed from the entertainment team that the Dreamfinder and Figment will be featured in the show. In fact, it, in the... Oh, wow iteration that's he's supposed to introduce the show the Dreamfinder, and will be the, you know the narrator for this thing but it's it's built around music from a, a lot of the the future world pavilions that we knew and loved from the 80s yeah so this is this is actually a uh, an homage a a kiss over to the uh people who like the original version of epcot i'm a little bit surprised that they that they announced this gym for a couple of reasons one Dreamfinder doesn't exist in imagination anymore. I mean, there's a couple of like sly references to it, yeah. but he's no longer there. And then for Disney to be referencing attractions and scores or soundtracks from attractions that no longer exist mm -hmm. is bold. What are they thinking here? Two things. One is the show starts October 1st, 2019. Right now, what we're hearing about the opening of Galaxy's Edge over at Disney's Hollywood Studios is that's late December. December 21st. Yeah. Late fall. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> somebody's going to be out. Somebody's going to be out from Disney with a sextant looking at the moon on December 21st and saying, nope, hasn't peaked. Nope, hasn't peaked. Nope, hasn't peaked. Keep going, guys. <laughs> there we go. So the real challenge is getting people to go to the resort to book packages, that sort of thing. 
during this period of time between October and and late December. And among the folks that will come out, especially for the language here that, that's stressed, is that this interim show, very limited run. Yep. So if you're a huge Epcot fan, you want to get out to see the show. And now, if you read the description from the press release, it, it mm-hmm. begins with a spark of imagination that swells into an epic spectacle of fireworks, music, lighting, lasers, and special effects kites. Special effects kites. I didn't yes. catch that in the original uh, in the original release. Yeah, and you know why there are special effects kites, Len? Because you they're don't... not drones. <laughs> <laughs> there is that. If we jump ahead to the nighttime spectacular that will open in in 2020 as a replacement for. Epcot Forever. Here, we get a show that celebrates how Disney music inspires people around the world. All right. So I know you've been kind of dreading this, the whole notion of a character-driven show, but this is what this is. Yeah. I looked at the concept art and I saw Aladdin and I think, was it Mulan? Yep. And other characters. And it just, it just kills me. All right. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically this is phantasmic mixed in with World Showcase. It's, I have strong feelings about this. If you look at the way this show is described, You have massive floating set pieces, custom-built LED panels, choreographed moving fountains, lights, pyrotechnics, and lasers. You hear that the show is is built and based on water. You don't hear that with Epcot Forever, and that's because in order to do the work, to put in the giant fountains and that sort of thing, they're going to reduce the water levels in World Showcase Lagoon considerably. So those of you who remember what happened with Paradise Lagoon at Disney's California Adventure back when World of Color was being installed at Disney's California Adventure back in 2010. This is going to be kind of a repeat of that. So not terribly photogenic, but it'll still be a decent show. The other thing that frankly sort of sticks out in both shows, or at least the initial, is absolutely no mention of drones, which is kind of bizarre given that We've got that great show that opened at Disney Studios Paris this past summer as part of their summer-long superhero summer. And this is what was loaded into the Cinemagic Theater, the Marvel Superheroes United show. There's this amazing film of the show on YouTube right now where at the 16-minute mark you see this moment where Doctor Strange supposedly on stage uses his magical powers to levitate a full-size car. And it always wows the audience because they think that's a full-size car. But no, Len, it's not a car. It's a drone. Oh. All right. So uh, for our listeners, the name of this YouTube video is uh, Marvel Superheroes United Disneyland Paris Marvel Summer of Superheroes HD 1080p60. Daryl Lynch, Pierce, Fenner, and Smith. I remember when they announced... This year's holiday show at Radio City, I, I reached out to you, Len, and said, you know, the next time you're in the city, can you and Laurel go check this out? Because inside of Radio City Music Hall, they've got the finale of the show now features drones. I mean, it, it, a couple of hundred drones flying out over the rockets and all that. It flummoxes me that we can do a drone effect indoors here at Disneyland Paris. We can do a scene in this year's Radio City Music Hall Christmas extravaganza featuring hundreds of drones. And yet here's Disney that's put all of this time and all this effort into drone technology supposedly for Epcot's replacement for Illuminations has been delayed. And no mention of drones. Nothing. Huh. Makes me crazy, Len. 
Besides that, there were some other announcements related to uh, Galaxy's Edge over at the studios. Mm -hmm. What's going on at the studios? First and foremost, in January, we're going to see a brand new logo uh, as that park continues to sort of reposition itself. The new drumbeat for this park is we're watching Disney's Hollywood studio change from a place that took you behind the scenes to now the whole conceit of everything that's being built into this park is that we're putting you in the center of the action. In the, yeah, in the center of the movies. Okay, that's a, a subtle distinction, but it is a better fit for what's going on in the parks. Mm -hmm. As Galaxy's Edge continues to chug along, we finally have names of our... our oh, right, 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 yeah. Signature attractions. We have, what is it? Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. Oh, Jim, 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 you're not uh, you're not doing the full name. Do it, Jim. <laughs> Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. What am I doing wrong here? No, it's Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, oh, Millennium I, Falcon, Smuggler's Run. <laughs> I am so sorry. Yes, that's right. That's right. You never get a short title with a Star Wars. You get a related. No, part. and the, there's a, I think there's like there's a hyphen, there's a dash. I think there are three ampersands. Yep. There's an umlauts in there. I think they went uh, they went all out both with the the uh, word phrasing mm -hmm. and the punctuation in that title. We also finally have a name for our our first order our attraction, a code name Alcatraz. We have an all right. I'll do it right this time, Lynn. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge Rise of the Resistance. Right. This is the uh, the Battle Escape ride. What have you gleaned from the concept art that they released along with Rise of the Resistance? I remember uh, chatting with the art director for a lot of the Star Wars films back at the last D23 Expo, and he was just floored by standing there on the construction site and seeing how the show building that contains just one scene of when you get on board the First Order Star Destroyer is as big, if not bigger, than the entire show building for Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, the, the scale... Really? Yeah, I mean, I, this yeah. is the thing. You are in an eight-passenger vehicle with a droid driving you, actually moving through the corridor, corridors of the Star Destroyer. You've made your way up to the ship on board a Resistance Intersystem Transport Ship. Okay, so let's let's pause there. Uh, Eight-person vehicle. Right. Not 30-person vehicle. No. They showed this transport vehicle at the expo. It was hidden away in a glass case. But the notion is you start off being recruited in the forest by Poe Dameron's crew uh, in that fleet of X-Wings that are hidden in the trees. And basically what they tell you is, look, we need your help. The First Order is planning something. We have a transport vehicle over hidden in the ruins. And if you would head over there and join the resistance, you know, we'd love to have your help. You know, we're going to try to infiltrate the First Order, get up on this destroyer and find out what's going on. So you go over to there and you get on board the this vehicle. And there you have sort of the Star Tours moment where you're, get into a hangar on board the Star Destroyer, and then you'll you you'll basically deplane your vehicle, and then this is the moment we've been hearing about for a while now. You'll, you'll step out of the vehicle you, you flew okay, up Okay, let me to. pause there. You will definitely step out of the vehicle. Yes, you will. Where did you hear this from? Chatting with the, the gentlemen who are working on the project. Okay, all right, go ahead. And there's a video that uh, the D23 peaked... Uh, Bob Chapek ran as part of his presentation. It's available online now. You can actually see the moment where you are on board the vessel when the resistance forces come out of hyperspace and they're there to suddenly attack the vehicle. 
And so you're on board, you need to lower shields in order to make this mission successful, and then you need to get off. It's very, very, very much unlike any Disney uh, attraction you've ever been on. And the moment that Disney keeps hyping, you know, where you, you pull into the armory mm-hmm. and, you know, you're trying, you know, you, you're trying to make your escape at that point. That's what the ad-ats come to life in front of you and, and target you sort of swing their heads your way and get ready to shoot at you. So they're really, really hoping that that this blows your mind. And when you look at this, when you look at the, the scale of what they're doing versus at the same presentation, they talked about how when people go to check into the Star Wars hotel, which there's a boutique hotel, Len, and then there's a crazy boutique hotel. If well, you- we knew that the number of rooms in the hotel was going to be small mm-hmm. and Remember when you had said that the, there were expansion plans for other wings? Yeah. And uh, I was skeptical because of how the gameplay would work at a larger scale. And it mm-hmm. turns out that since then, uh, I think at D23, Disney announced that there will be 100 rooms in this hotel, which is about half of the number of rooms in one building of Pop Century. Yeah. That's how small this particular thing is going to be. Jim, two two points. One, it's going to cost an arm and a leg and a kidney. Oh, to stay. Yeah. Just, you'll never be able to get in. You'll yeah. never mm-hmm. be able to get into the hotel. Mm-hmm. The second thing is they're not actually called hotel rooms, right? They're called cabins. cabins. Yep. Yeah, well, again, this is the cruise line Pressing on steroid, you know. But the interesting thing is that when you check into this hotel, we've got your luggage and that sort of thing. If you and your family would step into the the pod that will take you up to the, you know, the luxury ship that's circling the planet right now. And you literally get on board a pod that in the style of the old hydrolators, coupled with sort of a vibrating floor and to give you the, the sense that you're actually traveling somewhere. But marry that to the Hogwarts Express over at Universal where you you know can look out the window and see the way you're traveling up to the hotel and when the door opens up on the other side you're stepping into the lobby dining room casino bar space all of this will be wonderfully themed but again this is this is a hotel and if it, someone ever pulls a fire alarm the story stops and the doors open yeah. and you're back in central florida they're kind of hoping to avoid that and there'll be a similar system, a seamless transportation system that will take guests from the hotel over to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Even with this far smaller number of rooms, there will still be expansion pads to either side of this now infinitely smaller building. Because, you know, when I was originally told about this project, it was 400 rooms. Len, with, yeah, I, with, I was I was going to be super surprised if they could do gameplay at uh, yeah. It's 400 rooms, but, but 100, uh, 100 is actually smaller than I thought. I thought 200. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Jim, can you, um, do you know how much that's going to be per night? It's- I do not want to imagine, uh, on the other hand, I, I really do want to experience this because it's everybody who's ever watched Westworld has wanted this experience at a Disney theme park. And, and now, finally, it's almost here. Yeah, a couple, uh, couple of years, right? Yeah. If it's less than $1,000 per person per night, I will be shocked. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Jim, one more uh, piece of uh, news before we um, we wrap up this episode. Uh, I understand that Disney announced at uh, Destination D that John Williams will be doing the score. John has written a theme for Galaxy's Edge that they will, in fact, he himself won't, didn't direct, you know, the, the score. In fact, uh, the London Symphony Orchestra 
just recently actually re recorded this piece. And, and this overall theme will be woven in with, you know, music we know for, and love from, you know, the, what, uh, seven, eight, nine Star Wars movies that have been made so far if we factored in Rogue One and Solo. Sure. But yeah, it just, it shows the almost insane level of detail and Disney's willing to go to for the, on this thing. And kudos to them to, you know, persuading, because... Yeah. Uh, Mr. Williams has definitely been cutting back on his assignments on and, his work. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I mean, it's good to see the the continuity there. He, uh, the the scores are iconic. The music is an integral part of the experience, mm -hmm. and getting uh, John to do it is a uh, is a fantastic coup for for Disney. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think you know background music is a huge part oh, of uh, of any D Disney theme park experience, and getting the uh, the guy that did the original music to contribute to this thing is only going to help. Mm -hmm. I agree. As if it needs help. Mm -hmm. All right, Jim, let's uh, let's wrap it up for uh, this particular episode. Uh, we've got plenty more things to talk about on the next episode, including all of the stuff that we did in the parks the last time we were together. Let's do that on a future episode. How's that sound? That works for me. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes or Stitcher and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.